Hello, welcome to the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue. Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon here for a very special episode because we are, we are now into a March postseason preview here. We got less than 24 hours before Kentucky takes on Mississippi State. So tons to discuss, like news is breaking like wildfire on this Wednesday. So we can kind of rapid fire, Aaron, because a lot of it's going to go stale quick. But man, are you ready? I know you're in Kentucky, so hopefully um, you're bringing some good vibes with you. Yeah, I'll be in Lexington till tomorrow. But yeah, I, I, it is, it's crazy that it's already here. I mean, it feels like despite this year being crazy with the COVID stuff and Kentucky being so painfully bad at times um, that it crawled, but at the same time flew. And here we are. It's a chance to restart. I mean, all you have to do is win four games in four days. But uh, it's going to be a challenge. But obviously last Saturday uh, gave you some good momentum. But it's a big ask to see if Kentucky can get into uh, this tournament after what nine and fifteen, nine and sixteen regular season. Yeah, you know when you ask John Calipari though, all you got to do is win one game four times. So when you say it that way, it sounds a little easier, and I agree. And I'm on the positive hype train for sure. I think um, so. I was inside Rupp Arena on Saturday and got to see Kentucky just absolutely thrash South Carolina, score ninety two points, and this team has just miraculously found a way at every interval of the season to build you up and tear you down, build you up and tear you down. So I'm back on the building up part right now. I mean, obviously just watching them shoot the ball that way. Um, you know, you know, if they go down to Nashville and can shoot the ball like that at all, they're going to have a chance to win. And if nothing else, Aaron, and I mentioned this on the, the big blue insider this week is if Kentucky goes out there and they lay a whooping on Mississippi state tomorrow, the BBN is going to be glued to their seats on Friday for that quarterfinal against Alabama. And if nothing else, we'll have that as a fan base as that moment of a real March big time game. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, if they can get by tomorrow, it doesn't matter how they do it, but they should be able to beat Mississippi state just based on talent, obviously in the regular season. I think it was the SEC opener. That was the Dante Allen game. Um, that Kentucky won in overtime. Mississippi State is the only team that Cal Perry has not lost to at all uh, among the mm -hmm. SEC since he's gotten here. So um, there's a lot of good uh, momentum and, you know, a lot of betting sort of odds on Kentucky's side tomorrow. Uh, and that would set up the game of the year for Kentucky, taking on, the you know, the conference regular season champs. Uh, probably going to be, I think Alabama's slated as, what, a two-seed in the tournament. So, really elite team this year uh, and a chance for Kentucky to beat them uh, in March. And if you get by Alabama, really anything could happen. I know Arkansas would still be out there. Um, they're probably the scariest team outside of Alabama. I mean, LSU is pretty good, but Kentucky able to beat them in the regular season. You also have uh, Florida, who's kind of peaking at the right time. Um, obviously, Kentucky just lost to Florida a few weeks ago, but – Outside of Alabama and Arkansas, there's no one to be afraid of. So if you set up that game Friday, you're right. The hype is going to be – that's going to be your national championship game for Kentucky this year most likely, just given how unlikely it is they win this entire tournament. But uh, you got to take it game by game, like you said, because one bad day tomorrow, we know with this team, if they have a bad day, they're going to lose. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Yeah, it's talk about just the, the tables have flipped, you know what I mean? It's Kentucky's now coming in as this 8-9 seed waiting, you know, for the one seed in the quarterfinal on that Friday, which is totally opposite. It's usually Kentucky in that spot. And I've mentioned this several times this week, too. I mean, just imagine being Nate Oates and really the entire Alabama coaching staff, fan base, everything. 
if Kentucky, even if they just win at all tomorrow, knowing it's like, really, you know, that's our first game, Kentucky. But especially if they look like they did on Saturday, shoot the ball well, score a ton of points, you just have to imagine they're just going to be shaking their heads like, is you know, whatever. I guess they have to do it to win it. But very, very much um, different from what we're used to in an SEC tournament. But news of the day so far, I fully expected, Aaron, some type of cryptic tweet or something of that nature um, concerning Terrence Clark if Kentucky – happen to make it to the weekend, like get to Saturday or something. But, man, we started early, so the cryptic tweets started coming out, um, you know, with Terrence Clark. Um, I think it's something about I'm not depressed anymore, showed himself in basketball shoes in a basketball area. And then now today, John Calipari pretty much directly addressing it and leaving the door wide open, Aaron. I mean, that sucker is wide open for Terrence Clark to play basketball down in Nashville on this, you know, tomorrow. Uh, do you see any possibility that happens? abnormally transparent is how I would put it because Cal is not necessarily the most transparent when it comes to that stuff but no I I do I do think there's a chance that we see uh, Terrence Clark tomorrow or at least at some point um, this weekend I mean pending that they're able to get by tomorrow Uh, just given the fact that Cal said what he did all these tweets usually that's what it is I mean we've seen I feel like we go through this with somebody every year, these tweets and cryptic game stuff that uh, both the players and the coaches play. But this time, Cal coming out and say it says it makes me believe, unless he's trying to, you know, force the other team to do more, you know, preparation and take a closer look at um, – take a closer look at uh, Clark when he's not going to play. I mean, I, and I don't really know what advantage that's going to do for you, just given the fact Clark has only played a few games. But – I, I do expect to see him. Why not? I mean, the timetable is what, four to six weeks? Yeah, he said, when he said four weeks, um, the SEC weeks. tournament, I, I think, ended up being like – the or four weeks from the day he said it was the day he kind of, um, like, I guess last week left the door open or something for, you know, him to potentially be able to do some stuff. What some stuff is, what he's able to do, who knows. But I'll tell you what, just within the last few hours, I feel like it's already been normalized too much the fact that Terrence Clark could play in a Kentucky uniform again, if you ask me, because I don't think any of us saw that coming or as a possibility a month ago or a few weeks ago, once, you know, they had kind of announced that he had pro- was probably shutting it down. But if anything, if you thought that was going to happen, I guess it would have been a scenario where like Kentucky makes a charge heading into the SEC tournament. But my next question for you is Aaron, I just don't know how you interject him in to this process. Like is if it's it, like if things are going bad do you do it that seems like that's a lot of extra pressure you know if he goes in and adds to that and then if things are going too well do you throw him in and mess that up and who are you potentially you know giving him minutes over so very complicated scenario to me Um, specifically I think if things aren't going well and he's going to be your answer I think that's kind of putting him in a rough spot yeah it is complicated but I mean on paper and what he was expected to be for this team he was supposed to be their best player if not right, you know, 1A, 1B with B.J. Boston. So, I mean, if he's healthy enough, you got to at least uh, – I would think you got to give him some run. I don't think it means he's going to be running the point like he was when he was healthy or even in the starting lineup. It's probably a guy you want to bring off the bench um, at this point. I mean, even if you remember the uh, – not NCC, the NCAA tournament that you and I both covered, uh, P.J. Washington missed the entire first weekend, and they brought him off the bench the second weekend. And I think part of that was the chemistry, uh, the starters that were um, in for the 
what was it, Abilene Christian and um, Wofford games had. I think that was part of it. And also just working P.J. back. And obviously this is a lot different because Terrence Clark's only played five or six games or whatever it is. But still, uh, you can't afford to have a player of that stature when your backs are against the wall not play. But you're right. I don't think you bring him in as a spark plug. I think you build him into the rotation. As for who it can take minutes away from, I mean, frankly, which guys on this team outside of, you know, Isaiah Jackson, when he can stay on the floor, um, Davion Mintz, I mean, who else? I guess Olivier Saar have completely proven that they deserve all the minutes they can get. So, I mean, for me, with Clark's talent, he could be a plug-and-play at any time, but you definitely don't want to put him in a spot where he's being counted on to mount a comeback or even – you know, hold a big lead. You got to put him in a, just a normal situation, like a normal rotational spot. Right. Obviously, his health is probably going to be the biggest driving determining factor and, you know, when he plays, how much he plays, that stuff. So just assuming whatever progression that's on, maybe that's already happened. Maybe it's in the hotel room right now. Maybe it's tomorrow on the warm-up floor. Maybe it's against Alabama on Friday. Whenever that happens and, you know, Terrence Clark goes to Cal and says, hey, you know, I'm ready to go or I'm 100%. I mean, he has to have some sort of plan in the back of his mind. Um, I mean, I, I think you can make a good case for, you know, where you might do something like try to get by Mississippi State Thursday, you know, maybe have him go full shoot arounds or whatever they're getting to do. And then, you know, Friday, if you get a chance to kind of slay the giant of the SEC tournament, you sprinkle him in. But a lot of chatter, too, that – and normally I would agree with this and it's still definitely true to a big extent is the far of, hey, this guy hasn't played since, what, the day after Christmas or whatever, like – how effective can someone like that be coming in? And I'm sure it's going to be, you know, he's not going to play his best basketball, but his pedigree, man, when we were talking about a projected, you know, lottery pick by all the major services, do his skills, size, athleticism. So there's definitely a chance I think he could come in, especially if, if he came in and some positive stuff happened there and like quickly where he got a dunk or made a shot or just any way where he could kind of, um, you know, channel that, that inner killer that I'm sure he has in him that we all knew he heard he had coming out of high school. So I'd love to see a chance um, for him to play. But again, I, it's very cloudy on, I guess, how, when, and that stuff's going to happen. But we'll find out very soon. Yeah. And you just got to, you really, at the end of the day, got to give him credit for even working back. He easily, I mean, he didn't even have to come to Kentucky. Remember when that whole G League thing started getting a lot of buzz? I think it was around February. Uh, it might have been in Mar more like March and uh, April into the you know the early quarantine period, so to speak. Uh, a lot of guys started to you know pull their NLIs and uh, say I'm signing on uh, in the G League to start making money and building my name that way. And Clark was a guy who was rumored to be very interested in doing that, but at the end of the day, wanted to come to Kentucky and try to you know bring a championship here, which that likely won't happen. But the fact that he's going to you know, try to play in this tournament after missing, I mean, most of the season, uh, the team not being very good and having uh, the best odds to win this thing. Uh, he easily could have just said, you know what, you know, I got to, I didn't play great when I was in, I can't do anything else. I'm just going to be done. I'm going to put my name in the draft and I'm probably still going to be a late first round pick. But instead, you know, he's trying to put the team first and for a team he's not making money playing on. Uh, coming back and trying to win this tournament. That, that's pretty special. Yeah, you can make a similar story about a lot of guys on this team. I mean, B.J. Boston stayed locked in, too. I mean, it would have been so easy for him just to kind of crumble, say, the hell with this, like whatever, when he was just going through his deepest, darkest struggles of the season. And it was tough. And 
Devin Askew is a player they're going to need um, to win this tournament at some point. I think he's another guy that's, you know, fell and picked himself up multiple times. So with all the, ter- the turmoil that's gone on this season, them not being able to experience all the good stuff about the fans, the fact that there hasn't been any, uh, anybody visibly quitting or I don't know if quitting is the right word, but you know what I mean? Just kind of like everyone stayed engaged from game to game, yeah. regardless of what you're going to say about their play. Like the guys, the coaches have stayed engaged. And I, um, you know, I listened to coach Cal show on Monday and I was, I was kind of like going to make a joke almost of like, I'll be able to tell if they really have a shot at this just by his tone very early on. And sure enough, he was, you know, he's hyper, he's spinning his wheels. He was, kind of all over the place talking about different X's and O's ideas or things that he could try and how he's happy for certain guys, you know, for how well they played Saturday. So I think he fully expects to play deep into the weekend and he sees these guys turning a corner, but so much of it will end up being, you know, them making shots. But if nothing else, dude, they have, they've stuck together. And, and mm-hmm. if Terrence Clark could go out there and be a part of them winning this tournament or even playing really well, that would just kind of be a, a culmination of all that at the end, I guess. Yeah, it kind of helps protect, you know, the legacies of some of the guys on this year's team that, I mean, you still presume that Terrence Clark is not going to come back next year. I think, you know, Boston, we obviously had those interesting comments about a possible sophomore year um, from Cal on Saturday, but uh, you still get the sense he's probably very much on the fence. Isaiah Jackson's probably gone. So those guys, you know, they're not going to be remembered as winners, but they can still be remembered as guys who never quit and kept it going when this team was historically bad and also in the midst of a pandemic when a lot of guys were just in both college basketball, football, just in college sports, period, were saying, screw it. Like, I'm not playing through this COVID year. I'm going to the league and I'm skipping my blah, blah, blah year. So so that no one quit on this team, like you just said. Everyone stuck with it uh, through the really rough year it's been. I mean, they've dealt with – I can't remember a college sports team – you know, I can't think of – rather, I can't think of a college basketball team this year that's had to deal with more than this Kentucky team has had to between, you know, getting criticized for all their advocacy for um, dealing with the COVID stuff. They even had cases, if you remember, that canceled the Texas game and obviously just having a historically down year uh, at a school that doesn't accept this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's tons of storylines, and um, I'm just looking at my paper. Zero Kentucky players, I think, I guess that was today. It's been a very long day. Um, zero Kentucky players named to either the first or second team. All right. See, which, man, never, obviously never. I don't think, I think I read in the calendar that there's never not even been one on the first team, right? Yeah, I, I don't think this has ever happened, that there hasn't even been one on the first team, let alone neither. Obviously, Isaiah Jackson getting the all-freshman and all um, – defensive team nod but that was it which is just I mean usually you have like three guys two to three guys on each team it feels like I mean even last year you had both uh, Nick Richards and Manuel quickly first team guys obviously quickly was the player of the year and then I believe uh all freshman team I'm pretty sure they had a uh, uh, Maxi Maxi was last year yeah Maxi was last year. last year the year before that hero so yeah uh, it's definitely unfamiliar territory yeah, did you see, too, where Calipari Sutton's calling show? And um, I actually kind of got this rolling where people were picking it up. It was just the way I worded it. Um, but essentially, um, my tweet was kind of basically Calipari keeps harping on playing reckless. And then I quoted him, we, we, need to, we should take 25 threes or we could take 25 threes. 
which everyone kind of picked up because we know and nowadays that's not very reckless, you know. So that was getting picked up. But uh, did you see that, that kind of uh, him getting drug a little bit for that? I did not see that actually, but that's funny. I mean, yes, that's the, I, I've said, I think I've said on this show, that's just the way the game is gone now. Everybody at every level shoots a crap ton of threes. It is just the name of the game for better or worse. And I know a lot of people that like it, and I know a lot of people that don't like it. So I think for this team, though, it, it is reckless if you're going to shoot that many threes just based on what has happened this year. But at the same token, why not throw them up and see if they fall at this point when, you know, your only hope is to, you know, be an underdog and win this tournament against them. You know, they should, I still think they should win tomorrow, but to win four games in four days when you haven't won more than three in a row all season and, and to beat a lot of teams that really kicked your butt in the regular season, <laughs> it ain't going to be easy. going to be a difficult task. That's for sure. Um, what about like, uh, you think they're still going to roll with Mintz playing point guard? Do you see that kind of, free-flowing offense remaining. I know, obviously, it's, it's that's going to be the goal. I guess Cal's harped on that over and over and over, playing quick. And if you remember, Aaron, someone's been on the Cats by 90 podcast since about December saying, please, God, just shoot it in the first two passes, and whatever happens, happens. Go on the boards and grab it and get back. And my point was more like this team can lose, you know, 90 to 75, and it would feel a lot better than 65 to 78 like it had been or whatever it was. So um, you kind of see that going the same, just letting the ball fly, putting the ball in men's hands and just seeing what happens. Yeah, I I do. I I think that I think overall from, you know, I guess Isaiah Jackson's the only other guy, but Mintz has probably been the best, most consistent uh, and probably the best player on this team this year when people were expecting him to be kind of the seventh or eighth man. So uh, I definitely think, especially the way he played on Saturday, I know that game, was really more than anything just for momentum for either team that could win it. I know South Carolina's really had a tough year between not winning games and, you know, they've had been hit by COVID, I think, more than anyone uh, as far as college basketball goes in the nation. So they've obviously had a brutal year, and Kentucky was able to exploit that. But, I mean, Mintz, not only did he score 20 points, I think he dished seven assists. Um, so he just – the team seems to do best uh, when they're going through him. And obviously he's – He's the one guy on this team, if I'm not mistaken, that's played in an NCAA tournament game. So, uh, let alone the SEC tournament. I don't think anyone uh, has even – I don't know how many guys on this team, to be honest with you, have played much conference tournament ball other than Saar. Um, I mean, obviously, Mintz would have played at Creighton, but, you know, Keon Brooks didn't get to play in the SEC tournament last year because uh, it was postponed before Kentucky's first game. And then the rest of the group are freshmen. Davion Mintz is just a bona fide baller, dude. I mean, if you've played basketball, been close to the game in any way at all, you know certain guys just have an intangible trait to just hoop, and he's one of them. Like, you know, he's going to be gone. Hopefully we get to see him again next year. We're going to talk a little bit about that um, towards the end, but he's going to be gone one day, and I won't necessarily be able to say, you know, he was terrific at this or he was great at that. You know, knowing it's just he's just a baller, man. He finds gaps. He's explosive. He's very, very athletic, more than he gets credit for. And I've mentioned a few times this season, but, like, if you would have told us back in the summer, early fall, they're like, honestly, his straight-up mixtape, like, if you just put his highlights of this season against anyone else's on this team, like, dunks, everything, big shots, um, crazy plays. I mean, he's done a little bit of everything for this team. And you have to imagine, too, Aaron, like, that's what he – I mean, he wanted to come to Kentucky and, you know, do this on this stage – 
and now he's going to have the opportunity to do so. And I think if Kentucky is going to, you know, make a run, definitely win the tournament, it's probably going to be on his back as it's kind of been over the last couple of games. Yeah, I, I completely agree 100% with that. I think, he, I think he's both, you know, the leader on and off the court for this team at this point in time. He, like I said, he's definitely been their most uh, consistent player. He's also their more experienced player, given he has an extra year than Saar does playing. Um, so I definitely think they're going to go, which is crazy to think about, just given what the expectation was before the year. But they're going to go as far as he can go. And I think, I think he just has a high basketball IQ. I think he's not necessarily the most talented player, even on this Kentucky team. But he's just he knows the game inside and out. And, you know, a lot of that's because of experience um, and, and his skill combined. But, yeah, I mean, they, they're dying for guys like this. I mean, they need the guys who are not necessarily going to be uh, the number one pick in the NBA draft or have that potential. They need the guys with high basketball IQs, great leadership, and that are going to be great college players. That's all it takes, you know, to win at this level. I mean, look at – just look at the teams that have won recently. I mean, Virginia, they didn't really – I don't think they had a – I mean, maybe Hunter was on that team, but they didn't really have that many guys who were in the NBA or with NBA ceilings. Same with all those Villanova teams – so it really doesn't take the star guys. I think we kind of learned that with Zion, RJ, and Bredish. The top three recruits in the country didn't even get to a Final Four. And that's why I'm sure we'll talk about it too. Uh, that kid from Auburn, the Kentucky native, is a really good fit. Like, let me ask you this then, Aaron. So Kentucky opened, opened a two-and-a-half-point two favorite tomorrow. Mississippi State, they'll have the two early games, noon for us, 11 Central time, which would be, it's got to be really weird um, for the players. But give me um, a quick elevator speech on why Kentucky can win the SEC tournament and why they can't. I mean, they can because of the talent they have. And they would need that talent to play everyone to be at their absolute best to win it. I mean, they'd have to be the team that we all expected them to be from the get-go, which is just the deepest team that Cal's ever put together, which obviously has turned out to be completely opposite of what the expectation was. But you need – I mean, you need to not turn the ball over much. You need to shoot consistently, not just, you know, one big game and then a 20% night the next night. And you honestly, you need B.J. Boston to be the good B.J. Boston, which we haven't seen nearly enough of. I mean, you look at his – He's had more than one good game, but you look at the shooting percentages he's posted, he's had like one good game. And that was, I believe, Missouri. Uh, I'd have to double check on yeah, that. Yeah, he's, not, he's yeah. not consistently. He had that little no. stretch and then just like tanked uh, after that. It's game by game stretches too. I mean, that Florida game uh, that they lost last Saturday or two Saturdays ago, didn't he start like three for three from three? And then mm-hmm. I don't know if he had a shot in the second half. They need had- four or four quarters, two full halves of uh, Boston playing well. I have uh, the season stats pulled up to the top. I just hitting on a couple of things just since it's over. You know, everything now will be postseason added on. But uh, so scoring averages uh, for the 2021 season, Brandon Boston ended up leading um, still at 12. But man, if the season was much longer, Davion Mintz likely would have caught him. Yeah. Uh, he's up to 11.3. They both played exactly 736 minutes this season, which was down at a quick glance. BJ worked his three-point percentage up, and I, I did not think he would do it, um, up to 30% um, <laughs> on the season. So 30 for 99 he shot. And, man, there was a there was a time there earlier in the season where I wasn't sure if it was going to get We were wondering out. if he cracked 20%. Mm-hmm. Mintz hit the most threes on team, 52, <laughs> compared to BJ Boston's 
30, and then uh, Dante Allen's next with 25. He made 25 threes. So, man, it just really goes to show you um, kind of the poor shooting, even though the team worked up to 33%, which that really surprised me too. They were just shooting. It's so terrible um, to start the season. But uh, since I just brought him up, Dante Allen, what do you, what do you, th you think there's any chance at all um, this weekend, I guess you might as well say, I was going to say this season, the rest of the season, but that Dante Allen comes in, makes an impact, gets any real opportunity to impact these, this weekend? I think they, they might give him a shot if they, you know, they need a spark. But, you know, I don't really see him playing a significant role. And I think that's a lot to do, like I said, with his defense. It's just not – it's not where they need it to be, uh, especially in a tournament like this. And, you know, Kentucky's a team where uh, they're not going to win games if they don't defend well because they already don't shoot well enough. So if they can shoot just, just well enough and be on their A defensive game, they have a chance to win almost every game they play in but they don't have much of a shot if they can't defend, even if they do go up. We saw them lose, I think, at least one, maybe more, games that they scored 80 points. The Arkansas loss was 81-80 because they didn't defend well that night. So Allen is just not a good defender, and especially when you're playing Alabama, if you get there Saturday, if you let them beat you with their offense, they could put up 100, and even if you put up 80, your season's over. So I just think – when it comes to playoff time, defense is almost more important than offense. I mean, just ask Anthony Davis uh, in the game he had in the national championship game where he had four points, I think, or two shots from the field, whatever it was, and he had like 10 blocks. I mean, it's all about defense in the playoffs. Yeah, we, we talked with Dick Gaber on Big Blue Insider. This team's now, they're kind of in a, a balancing act with the way that they're choosing to play right now. I'm all for it. But when you're playing this way, like Cal mentioned, you know, he wants them taking a shot within 10 seconds in the shot clock and, you know, getting these balls up, like one is going to probably prompt turnovers, which Kentucky during spurts in different spots in the season has had major trouble with turnovers. It's cost them games and cost them development as far as getting better. It's just totally inhibited their ability to win. And then you have like rebounding. There's just been games when they haven't shown up to rebound. And that's going to be most important tomorrow, which we won't dive into a ton right now. But tomorrow, if they don't rebound against Mississippi State, who crashes the boards, um, they're going to lose, and, and none of this will matter. But they're just on a slippery slope. I feel like um, they have to play reckless, but at the same time, you know, they really do got to manage their turnovers because the likelihood that they're going to shoot the ball well enough to overcome a bunch of turnovers is really low. And then secondly, this team also can't do one thing great and forget about another because they've done that so many times too. Like, again, they can't go out and shoot the ball well tomorrow, but then give up 15 offensive rebounds. So they've shown, they've shown uh, improvements in areas like they've closed deficiencies and then let another floodgate open um, at certain times, which is the reason they've never put a four-game winning streak together, honestly. So they're going to have to do a lot of things right. Um, but at least I think the games will hopefully get up and down, um, especially if they can get out of the, you know, first one tomorrow it's gonna be this is yeah tomorrow's gonna be the most winnable game we play in there's no doubt about that um but yeah I, I just worry about that Alabama matchup so much I mean I don't want to turn ahead because Kentucky can easily go and lose uh and be done tomorrow but just with the way they're so inconsistent like you said I feel like when they have a good shooting night you know it's it's the typical you have a good shooting night they can't defend and then the vice versa and I just worry that against Alabama, uh, that's the game you really need both to win. And, you know, normally, you know, we talk about I hate the SEC tournament normally, and I think that might be more um, of a Kentucky bias because by this time 
Kentucky's either won the SEC outright or it's not going to really affect their seating, whether they win the thing or not. And what we learned two years ago is not only did they not win the damn thing, they got P.J. Washington injured. And, you know, that didn't end up costing them their season, luckily, but it very well could have. It almost did uh, with the way Wofford went. So, I mean, I normally can't stand it, but I think for Alabama, you know, typically if I were an Alabama fan, if I were in their shoes this year, I hate the SEC tournament because you risk injury. But they're a team that just hasn't won it in forever, and it would mean a lot to them. So I think they're going to bring it. Um, They're not going to half-ass it like maybe they could afford to do if they were a Kentucky program. Uh, That was really good. So I don't know. That matchup just scares me so much. That's why I really – honestly, I wish they could have even – I would have been okay if they fell to the 10 spot. And I think they would have played Ole Miss, who I know beat them, but they're still a beatable team in the first round. And then you avoid Alabama in the second. But it's just – got to win tomorrow and take it from there. Yeah, I was saying I, I would have, I guess, preferred to be at the bottom of the bracket. But if it goes chalk, man, it's going to be a tough road for anybody. I mean, not just, um, you know, a normal SEC year. I mean, it, they're good. Their teams are good. Alabama, LSU, Arkansas. I mean, those are – Florida. I mean, those, those are all teams. Tennessee, those are, these are all teams that Kentucky, you know, could and would see if the um, bracket holds chalk. So, I don't know if I gave mine um, why Kentucky can win the SEC tournament. I'm just going to say Isaiah Jackson. I feel like if the other stuff can get clicking, like a lot of teams have guys that can score the ball similarly to Davion Mintz, Brandon Boston when he gets going. Um, but none of them have an Isaiah Jackson that can erase points, get possessions back. Um, I actually look back at the Mississippi State game, Aaron, and he had like hardly any points or rebounds, I want to say, in like four uh, – maybe like six blocks and four steals or something crazy. Like it, it totaled like eight or nine possessions that he had gotten back for Kentucky. So he's a unicorn. I think if the cats can shoot the ball just good enough, he might be able to, you know, get some of those possessions back, keep them in a the game, potentially help them win the tournament. Um, why they can't, I just say they're just going to run out of gas. I mean, even if this team has turned a corner, they shoot the ball great like they did on Saturday. They're able to beat Mississippi State. They upset Alabama. All that stuff happens. I mean, it's just hard for me to imagine this team getting to Sunday afternoon with the tight rotation they've windled down to and having enough gas in the tank to potentially beat Arkansas. It's just very, very hard to believe. They haven't won four all year, so going to be rough. But, again, I said at the beginning of the show, if nothing else, we should at least have, hopefully, that Friday um, matchup with Alabama that just is going to feel – it's going to feel like the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight or something for Kentucky fans, um, considering all that's gone on over the last year, no tournament last year. So, I'm hanging on to that. It'll at least be a stress-free tournament, and you don't have to feel inclined to pick Kentucky yeah. for a tournament. They might not be the best pick, you know, from a money perspective. <laughs> yeah, you never get to watch from this standpoint. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's still weird because I still feel like there's as much pressure, I guess, to win, but it's a different kind of pressure. Um, that letdown pressure, the pressure, that feeling of disappointment is just so bad. Like, I mean, we always say, like, I'd enjoyed none of the NCAA tournament. Um, except for maybe like the second half of, of the Baylor run in 2012 or something, just because it was the thought of losing was just heartbreaking. It was nothing but stress and anxiety and not wanting to, um, you know, let something slip through your fingertips. And that's not the case with this team. So I really would think it would be cool if they could find their way in the NCAA tournament and kind of have that feeling in the big dance, um, you know, being the lower seed and trying to knock teams off and right. not really sure how that would roll, but, it starts tomorrow, Thursday. I wish I was going to be there, but I will not be. Hopefully it goes off without a hitch. I guess there's games. What time do the games start now? They've already been playing, right? 
Yeah, there's just one game today because remember there used to be two matchups tonight, but with the Auburn disqualified of postseason, right. that all that. So A and M, who is actually 13, playing Vanderbilt, who's 12. Winner will play. I believe Florida's in the five position, so they get Florida uh, tomorrow. Which that's good. You know, it wasn't. You know, there's always a possibility Kentucky could have been playing five games with how bad they were at times this year. So at least about them. Yeah, let's just give, forgive a huge praise and pat on the back to any fan, media member, concession stand worker, anybody that didn't, um, that had the option and chose to go to the A&M Vanderbilt game on Wednesday in Nashville. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, aside from the locals, wow, that was, that's, that's yeah. an ugly one. I'm sure most of our um, brethren that are heading down there and um, will be doing it probably in the morning. <laughs> I will say Vanderbilt has a ton of talent. They just don't have depth. I mean, Scotty Pippen Jr. is – if he were at Duke or Kentucky, he'd be a guy people are talking about as a top ten pick. Well, I he mean, made he, the uh, eight-player first team all yeah. or whatever. I think Vanderbilt might have had two kids on there, or they had another was on the second team. Yeah, they've had some top players, too, um, over the last few years. Uh, it breaks my heart not getting to see Darius Garland play. I, mean, I sat right next to him on the bench the year he came. But, yeah, they've gotten some top players. I mean, there for a while you thought – Freaking Romeo Langford was, you know, really considering Vanderbilt and stuff. So they're yeah. always, they're always uh, trying to figure things out. And every conference needs a Vanderbilt. And man, we've there's we've really tapped on their shoulder a few times in football and basketball over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's for sure. By the way, if the say Kentucky misses the NCAA tournament, which unfortunately is the most likely case scenario, is there a team you're going to bandwagon root for next week when it starts? Oh, good question. Well, a lot of local teams, man. So we got a lot of good stuff going on that way. So I could take the – I would have definitely said Bellarmine if Bellarmine could have snuck in. I know they weren't eligible, but I'm yeah. right around the corner from them. So they're they're going to be my bandwagon team because, trust me, Scotty Davenport's going to get his team he making the go. tournament all the time. Yeah. So, man, that's a good question. I will say um, – I'll just say whoever wins the SEC tournament. I think that's a good one. Assuming uh, – I don't know, man. It would be tough for Tennessee. But I think anybody else I could – I could give them the nod in most of them, especially Alabama. I'll say if Alabama does win and that's who I predicted to win it, I was going to ask you that. Um, I'll be cheering for them. I think it'd be really cool if they made a Final Four. I, I'm actually I'm picking Arkansas, even though I still like Alabama's upside better. Uh, I, I really outside the SEC, the couple teams I really like are one is Florida State because you got to love Leonard Hamilton and the job he's done out there. He just quick plug before you go any further. Um, I'm pat myself on the back for this. If you heard, Scott you know, Barnes. Big Scotty Barnes, and he didn't. Yep. Hey, he didn't put the stats that I thought. But man, what I say, <laughs> that dude wins. They're gonna be dangerous. He does win. He does win. And I, I, you know, Leonard Hamilton. Obviously, he was an assistant at UK. He just doesn't get that program for what they've done the last couple of years. Doesn't get enough. I, I know. just wrote that on a sea of blue this week because um, there's another recruit. I don't even uh, – Derek Whitehead, I want to say. Yeah. yeah, plays for Montverde, another yep. one. Kentucky, 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 and now everything's trending Florida, Florida State. He plays in Florida, but that's exactly what I put in there. Leonard Hamilton <laughs> just does not get enough credit for – Doesn't get – because it's they have – Right, it's because they're in the same conference as Duke, UNC, and Syracuse, Louisville, all those programs, and Florida State slept on. So, they're a team I'd like to go far – this, normally I'm not big on Gonzaga, but this year, I don't know if you watched Jalen Suggs last night. Oh my God. <laughs> he is, uh, he's outrageous. And Gonzaga, I mean, if this is the year to root for Gonzaga, if there's any year to root for Gonzaga, I know a lot of people don't like rooting for them because it's, oh, they're overrated. They play garbage teams, which no, is no, true. No, it's the undefeated aspect. I can't, it's I can't the, get behind it for that reason. I, and only this year because one, Kentucky's not there. 
and Kentucky didn't end up, you know, having that title because they blew it in the final four. So Jalen Suggs is just such a likable player and star to root around. And I don't know that, that that I had a lot of fun watching Gonzaga last night. So that they earned a soft, soft spot this year for me. Yeah, that guy, it just, it's too, it's, it's uh, brushing up on the 2015 corner too much. So <laughs> I, I can't get behind I, it. I I, normally I would though, cause I'm with you. I think I'd be, I like for them just to, um, you know, continue to have success and stuff and enjoyment. I know this year's team, particularly I've seen yeah. them play twice. Um, fun. They're really, really good, obviously. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, if they were a bigger school, you would have to think the Pac-12 would do anything possible to get them in their conference just with how pitiful that conference has become. Yeah. Well, they should have came to Rupp Arena. That would have been freaking amazing. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, whatever. Or one way or the other. Well, all right. Well, hopefully next time we catch up with everybody, we are previewing the NCAA tournament because we probably will not, uh, you know, do anything. It's already – Wednesday and four games in four days. But as John Calipari said, just got to win one four times. So hopefully we will do that and we will catch everybody next week.